back in the booth. We're back. We're back. We're back in the building. Welcome to Tweets, Rhymes, and Life, presented by the Tailgate Society and Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce. You can subscribe to all the TGS podcasts on iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. My name is Arnold Woods. Back in the saddle uh, with my partner here, Andrew Downs. What's going on? What's up, man? It's been a minute. It's been a few minutes. It's yes, been a few minutes. It has. This is a, a every three years podcast. Something now. like that. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> and it's it's the routine. We we've been a we we take a few years off and then we catch up. I was at your house the other night. Yeah. Um, had a, a fun get together with the kids. So. Um, I want to I want to get right into this because we we're on a time crunch here and I, I have a feeling this will be one of our longer episodes. But how are, how are you? Good man. Yeah, everything's good. Yourself? Good. I'm I'm doing well. You ready for a big 2020? I am. I good. hope so. I hope I am. I don't have a choice. I guess. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. I'll tell you. You are, you're more ready than people would lead you to believe. I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate you. That. Uh, it's your life will change. Yes. But not as much as the first time. I know. Yeah. I know. We've the last time you know we've we've talked about our kids. Yeah, Andrew's a father of two. I'm a father of one, about to be two. So I got to lean on you. I don't know how to do. It. I don't know how people with more than two do it. Honestly, I don't either. And you know, it's funny because I had one of my cousins who has like four kids. She was like, "Oh, after the second one, it's it's easy. It's all the same." And then I asked somebody else, and they're like, "No, that's not yeah, true that's, at all. That's <laughs> wild to me. <laughs> that's not true at all." So that's I don't wild. know. We'll we'll find out. Are you guys stopping it too? Yes. Do you know you are yes. for sure? Are y'all? Do you? Know? We don't know. Yet. You don't know yet. We don't know yet. Okay, We're leaving well, it open. Okay. We're leaving it open. We'll see what happens we'll see to be continued yes, as they yes. say well this episode of of tweet rhymes and lights we're going to get into uh our top movies of the decade we're yeah the top 10 we're a little late it's january 3rd i believe is when we're yeah recording this um a little late well a little late but it's all good there haven't been any uh movies that have come out yet so uh in this decade major movies i guess so we'll get into it um, we have a few categories. We're yes. going to structure this a little bit differently. This is going to be a lot more focused than a lot of our episodes, though. Yeah, we for sure. Topics. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, this will be more focused, and also, like, I just want to put a couple of things out there uh, before we get started because, uh, so I'm doing my favorite movies. Yes. Not the best movies. Yes. Uh, p- part of, as you get older, you kind of learn your strengths and weaknesses. One of the things I've, I've learned is I'm not. I don't have a very critical mind. Uh, I don't. I, I can't break things down, and, and you can. I've I've read your stuff, and we've talked enough for me to know that you, that's kind of the way your mind works. You know why you do or don't like a movie. You could probably say why you know this movie's number three and this movie's number six. For me, it's honestly it's just kind of a feel thing. Like I'll sit down and watch a movie, and at the end of it, I either liked it or I didn't, and I really can't tell you in good detail why I did or didn't like it. Um, and so that that's part of it. I, I don't have a great critical mind. So there will be some movies on here where people will be like, what the hell? You're like, well, it's, it's one of my favorite movies. I can't really tell you why. Um, the other thing is, so I, after I made my list, I realized that it is a very white and very male list. Okay, yeah. Um, and and I, th- I thought about this. Now, th- there are some movies, and especially as we talk about the, the different categories, um, and, and there are a couple in my top ten that are, you know, people of color or women uh, as leads and as writers and directors and, and things like that. But I just want to acknowledge at the outset, like as a cis, straight, white man uh, and having culture essentially aimed at me for a long, long time, uh, I have fallen into that. And I, I just, you know, these are these are my favorite movies. I thought about, you know, trying to squeeze in some others just to make a more diverse list. But I figured that wouldn't be authentic. It right. wouldn't be honest. Um, and I, I'm a little... Uh, 
embarrassed is probably too strong of a word, but you know, it, uh, it's a very white, very male top ten list for me. Well, I think it's good to at least acknowledge that because I, to go back to what you were saying earlier about me, I think you're being generous. You say I'm, I have a critical mind. I think that I just overanalyze everything in my <laughs> life, and so lists like this tend to um, appeal to that part of my personality, for I sure. guess. Um, where I'm thinking and critiquing how I'm thinking about movies, why things are my favorite. Again, this is I'm the same way as you. You said when we were when we were prepping this that we wanted to do or that you wanted to do your favorite versus best. Yeah, and I think that that's the the best way to approach this. We're not professionals. We don't uh, critique movies for a living or right. anything like that. So this is just the movies that um, are our favorite. The w- the way that I looked at it was. I, I I think about how I felt when I saw the movie yeah. and, and what about the movie I liked. And also I factored in how many times I've seen the movie. I was, yeah, rewatchability for me is yeah. a big thing. It's like I can watch this movie over and over again. Yeah, and so to get about um, to get into what you're saying about the content of your list, my list is very American. Interesting, um, yeah, it's mine mo- too. It's basically all American yep. movies. There's one movie in there that's um, – I only have one movie that wasn't – well, I have two movies that weren't directed by Americans, but they're all um, majority English-speaking type right. things. So, um, and that also has to do with I don't see a lot of international movies. I want to see more. That's I want to watch too, more right? movies in general. I just, you know, I haven't – These are the movies time, we've so. seen. Like, yeah. This is the best of the movies we've seen. There are several movies that have right. won Oscars and that, that other people have on their list that I just haven't seen. Exactly. So I'm not going to try to you know put a, put a movie on a list that – I haven't seen exactly. So let's get into the categories real quick uh, before we get into our actual top tens. Um, so some of the categories of the movies that we want to kind of chat about before we get into the main list: we have superhero movies, we have um, documentaries, we have sports movies, and we have comedies slash romantic comedies. I kind of combined the two because we're, sure. we're on a time crunch. Uh, which one do you want to start with? Um. Let's start with uh. Let's start with superhero movies. Superhero that movies. seems to be a big part of this decade. Sure. So I had I have a couple on here that I wanted to kind of throw at you for um, consideration to kind of talk about. The first movie I have on here is the Avengers, the first Avengers movie in 2012, okay. directed by Joss Whedon. Um, I, I I wanted to get your thoughts on this. My thing. So disclosure for me, I'm a big Marvel fan, Marvel comics fan. I like the Marvel movies too, but. I'm a I'm a comic book fan, and I remember um, the MCU Marvel Cinematic Universe starting off in 2008 with Iron Man, and I remember going to see Iron Man. I was 19 when when Iron Man came out, and there the big word of mouth around that movie was "Stay to the end, stay till after the credits." Yeah, this was before end credits were like a major thing at movies, and Marvel really um, kind of pushed that to the max in terms of like waiting to the end to see the end credits and, and for you to even scenes. have been like told that without you know, right. really before social media there was facebook right you know not twitter or anything yeah. like that it's that's interesting it was very word of mouth everyone was saying stay till the end stay to the end and so the end of the of iron man the first iron man movie is with um sam jackson comes in as nick fury and he tells um robert downey jr's tony stark slash iron man like you become a part of a bigger universe and he's like i want to talk to you about the the avengers initiative and i remember the first time I saw that movie and I stayed and I watched that scene and I was like, oh, that's super dope. I was like, my thought process was, that's cool that they name dropped the Avengers. And then the second thing was, but they're not actually, actually going to make an Avengers movie. Right. right? Like, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's too much. It's too big. Yeah. Like, that was my thought 
like seeing that was like that's really cool, but it's like they're not actually gonna do it. And then they, you know, 2012 comes and they have the plan and they put into motion the actual Avengers movie yeah. with Iron Man, with Thor and Captain America and everyone else. So um, it's a movie I saw a lot, but the thing I wanted to to put it on here for is basically it changed the game. Yeah, the the Avengers vacation of everything, right? The team ups and everything. Um, different franchises kind of saw that it could be done in that way, and then they they tried to to create their own to varying effects. Yeah, because even within like the then the breakout movies, you know, Thor, Ragnarok, or something like that, you have various characters from the Avengers, other movies, other universes coming into that. Um, do you have any superhero movies on your top ten list? Yes. Okay. I, I, I have, have one. I have one as well, I have and one. I had a couple. It was tough. Because there are a couple of Marvel movies that I really like. Marvel has a, a few really great movies. Yeah, how do you like break out? You know, like the the difference between you know Endgame and yeah. Infinity War. Um, uh, I I you know I don't um, a movie like Infinity War and Endgame are incredible achievements to me. I think um, for what they are, you know, I don't think that they I don't think that they should be like nominated for Best Picture or whatever like that. Another note on my top ten list. No best picture winners on my oh, top ten list. Which I'm is, not yeah. sure if I have any. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't uh, double check that. But they're cool. I think that um, Infinity War was great. Endgame was great. Infinity War took a few, and this sounds ridiculous to say. Again, this is me overanalyze, overanalyzing everything. Infinity War, when I first saw it, it took a few like narrative shortcuts that I didn't like. Okay. And... Um, I remember talking to my sister about it after we saw the movie and kind of discussing it, and she felt the same way. But I thought they're great. I think that Marvel has like three or four like great movies. Most of them are good movies, and they have a few clunkers. So you know, I just I appreciate them for what they are. Yeah, I had, I had like Guardians of the Galaxy on my list. Yeah, I really like sure. that one. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I I liked the the Marvel movies. I'm not as into it as you are. Sure. Uh, I've, I've I've seen them all. Sure. Um, and and one of them is on my top ten list. Okay. Uh, another superhero movie, Wonder Woman. I have that on my uh, not on my top ten, but in sure. my kind of superhero movie list. Yeah, it was it was a moment. I liked Wonder Woman a lot. Um, I don't think that it was. I don't think that people were prepared for how big of a wave it would be, and that's one of the reasons I, I put it on here in this category. It was really like a moment. There are a few a few movies. Um, superhero movies that you can say, okay, this is a moment. This yes. is a moment we're having. It's it's permeating the culture, and, and Wonder Woman was certainly one of those things. Um, Gal Gadot, incredible in the role. Um, I don't know a lot about Wonder Woman comic book-wise. Yeah. Um, my main exposure to her would have been from the animated series, uh, what was that, Justice League series, which was great. love the Justice League animated series that came out when I was like in middle school. It was on Cartoon Network. Um, got taken off of Netflix, which I'm pretty upset about. But um, great movie, Wonder Woman. Logan, also from 2017. Yeah. Um, I'm a big X-Men person. As am I. So that was um, nominated for uh, a screenplay Oscar. Pretty interesting. That is. Um, Much better than the, was, was it Wolverine? Yeah. The first yeah. kind of solo thing that yeah. they, they did. So I the, like Logan a lot better. Yeah, they had the X-Men Origins, which was yeah, trash. Yeah, right, right, right. And then they had The Wolverine, which was also directed by Ma- James Mangold, and then Logan was like kind of the last one solo in 
Hugh Jackman. Shout out to him. He he did He's a great, great job with that role. Uh, I I have, I have X Men First Class. On I do my too. Kind of list here. I do too. Yeah. What do you like about First Class? I, I like the origin. Of, I'm I'm an X Men guy too. Like yeah. that of all the superhero things, the only like comic book I was ever into was the X Men comic books, and I I say that. I wasn't ever really into them, but I read a handful of them. I have some like old. I watched like the animated series and things like that growing up. Um, I don't really have that. I, I didn't know much about the Marvel universe before these movies started coming out. That sort of a thing. But X Men, I did know a lot about. Um, but the the cast of that movie is yeah, ridiculous for sure. And uh, Magneto is that's that's one of my favorite. You know him. His origin story is like one of my favorite things they've ever done in a comic book movie. When I saw that movie in the theater, I remember leaving the theater and be like, "They got him right. Yeah. They got yes. they got the characterization of Magneto correct." And, and anytime you can uh, you can put some, I feel like they try a lot to make the villain sympathetic, and you can do that on like a very shallow basis, and it it doesn't really work for me. Um, but like when you can really dive into an origin story and kind of uh, show their entire uh, arc. Yeah, I I would I rewatched the other X the older X Men movies in a different way. Sure. Having seen X Men First Class, I think that people you can make the argument about the Marvel movies, and this isn't you know X Men is a Marvel property, but um, the majority of those movies or all those movies up until now um, had been owned by 20th Century Fox. So they that was the studio that produced those movies. Um, now it's owned by Disney because they are our overlords and own everything. But um, so with the MCU movies, you can kind of argue, you know, they casted some pretty high name people in roles, starting with Robert Downey Jr. for, for Iron sure. Man. But I think that First Class is really the first ensemble where you look at the acting talent in it with Fassbender as Magneto, yes. James McAvoy as Professor X, Jennifer Lawrence mm-hmm. as Mystique. And now, you know, you're talking about a lot of, you know, Oscar nominated people. And again, X-Men had Halle Berry, who yeah. was Storm, who had, had won an Oscar or was about to win an Oscar. Um, that movie came out in 2000, the first X-Men movie. But the ensemble um, with most of the heroes being cast as people who were pretty high profile in terms of like award winning actors. Definitely. Um, that really, really helped the story, yeah. in my opinion. So, um, And then one of my last ones here. For superhero movies, which we you touched on a little bit, was Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, um, that one was kind of crossover. It's in my superhero movies category and also in my comedies okay, category because yeah, yeah, it was sure. just really, really, really funny. Um, the funniest Marvel movie, in my opinion, and no Marvel doubt. prides itself on you know the action comedy genre, but Thor Ragnarok was on mine. As yeah, well. I agree. The the only other one I had on my list, um, Dark Knight Rises. Okay, um, not as good as the Dark Knight. And definitely has some flaws, but I, I still think it's a really good movie. And sure. it, it kind of wraps up what I think is a great Batman trilogy. For sure. Um, and the, again, you kind of forget. I, I think it gets, it gets lost because The Dark Knight is so good. But I thought Tom Hardy as Bane was really good. And it just it wrapped up that story pretty well. Filmmaker Christopher Nolan, someone who is... Um, that was a big deal casting or selecting him to direct those movies. He finishes off with with Dark Knight Rises, and you know he's still doing. Um, he he's a name guy. Yeah, he's a guy that has the ability to drop a movie, and people are going to flock to it, not necessarily because of the actors, but because of him. For sure. And so we get filmmakers of that caliber into superhero movies. That also has a really positive effect as well. Um, I want to talk about going into our next category: documentaries. Okay. So I realized when I was prepping for this. 
Um, I didn't see as many documentaries in this decade as I wanted to. So I, had I didn't a, either. I have a couple on here. I have um, none on my top ten. You list. have none on your top ten none. list. Okay. Actually, uh, yeah, there was one that I w- went back and forth on. Okay. Um, going back, and I, I guess I'll start with that one. The first one, this this one got as high as like six on my list, and I ended up it's not on there. But again, it's it's you know it's interchangeable. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those. If I made a list tomorrow, it'd be a yeah different for list. sure. Yeah, but it's OJ Made in America. Okay, I have that. Yep. Um. I'll give my brief thoughts on that, and then and then you can kind of get into it as well. But uh, in my notes, I have it's sprawling. That's the first word I have on here. Sprawling ten hours, I think. Yeah, it is. Um, I watched it over. I remember I watched the first like three uh, three episodes, and then I took a couple weeks off because I was doing other stuff, and then I finished it off. But um, really captures the the sense of time. In a in a really interesting way, chronicling OJ from you know it. There are people who talk about it's it's about his life, right? Right. And there are people who knew him in grade school, yeah, who are telling stories about him. Um, obviously, he goes on to USC and becomes a big star. Um, he's uh, plays for the Bills. It goes into that history as well, and um, just chronicling decades. And it, it talks about. His life, celebrity, um, it talks about race yeah. in America. It talks about America's relationship to celebrity, America's relationship to race, relationship to media. Um, and then getting into, obviously, um, probably the first major news story I remember as a child, which is uh, the murder trial. So what, did, what what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, the, the context it provides around that whole story, because it feels like in the, the 20, 30 years since then, we've we've lost a lot of that. You know, like, I, I didn't like the uh, People versus OJ, the, okay. the dramatic, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, miniseries. Yeah, um, came out around the, the same time yes, as exactly. this. exactly. Yeah. So, so I think that's part of why I didn't like it as much, because this was like the real thing. Um, and and the, the again, the amount of context it provided... I remember I was playing with Legos watching the NBA Finals, you know, the night of the Bronco chase. Like, I, I remember these things, but very vaguely. Right. And I didn't know much about it. Like, when I think of OJ, I think of the murder. I don't think of him as a football player sure. or as a pitch man or really as a person, you know. And so what that did was provide that context and kind of, uh, as you said, wrap it all in America and fame and race and our relationship with those things. Um, and I thought it was just it was so well done. It was really interesting, the people who were interviewed um, Ezra Edelman, the director, um, interviewing these people. And I think that I also had the context of it as this like sensationalist media thing and, sure. and the trial of the century and this and that. Um, Johnny Cochran, all these people, all these people who become celebrities based off of this, right? Absolutely. Cato Kalin and all these, you know, whatever. Um, but the people interviewed had personal connections to OJ, to Nicole Brown Simpson, yes. to, you know, everyone involved in this. And so, that perspective because now it's mostly like a source of jokes you know what i mean like it's mostly people joking about him and he's such a crazy ass person (laughs) that he's an easy target to make jokes about like this insane like narcissist which the documentary gets into right um but it's the documentary really personalized it in a way that again i was too young um i'm younger than you are so i i don't even remember the bronco chase i remember the trial yeah so uh, the trial was like a, a year after the Bronco chase. The I remember being—I like, think I was in third grade—and we stopped class and turned mm-hmm. on the TVs to watch the verdict. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was like it was that big of a yeah. Thing. I do remember that. So um, just 
an incredible documentary, really well done. Um, a lot there is some debate: is it a documentary? Is it a is it a mini series? Like, is it a TV thing? Is it a yeah, movie? But, right. Um, we're classifying it as a movie. Okay, so, so I, I have another one like that. Sure. Uh, the Defiant Ones, which was yes, an HBO yeah. documentary. It was a four part thing, uh, kind of chronicling Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine and. Uh, I knew a lot of the Dr. Dre stuff, although I, I'm I'm such a big fan of his and uh, kind of everything that is his like coaching tree, for lack of a better word, sure. right? Um, that even though I knew a lot of that stuff, just to see it again and and kind of get get more depth on it was great. And I knew very little about Jimmy Iovine and, and his his history, so to have kind of the the two parts of that documentary come together. Um, and again, it's a TV thing. It was HBO. It's four parts, but I classified it as a documentary here. I really enjoyed that. I've seen some of it. I hadn't finished it. Um, I actually, when it came out, I didn't have the HBO um, Max or whatever it is. Somebody's password. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have the link. <laughs> that's uh, actually, I think the HBO joint is the only one that's actually mine to actually pay for. The other ones, we won't get into right, that. But, right. you know. Um, um, it, the the last, like, half hour of it just turns into a Beats commercial. Yeah, okay. So that's yeah. Uh, that's not great. But there, there are there are parts of it, and there are, there's video uh, and again, more more for Dr. Dre than Jimmy Ivey. And although he's he's produced music for decades, and you know some of the biggest names in rock and things like that. Uh, but and more than anything, just kind of the way these guys think. You don't see a lot of interviews with Dr. Dre. You don't get a lot of like um, into his head very right. much. And uh, and I thought that was cool. Well, he's like the definition of a mogul now. Yeah. So he he really picks and chooses um, what he wants known about him yes like what gets put out there and so i'm sure that he i think he's a producer of the documentary i think too. so so um that actually that's a good segue into this next one because this next one i it's it's two movies about the same subject and one of the movies was so it's about it's the two fire festival yeah, right. documentaries right um one both were released last year i believe um and one is produced by one was put out by netflix one was put out by hulu that's right and so the netflix one i confused the two yeah so the, the the netflix one was made the documentary itself was made by the same people who were responsible for the promotion of the festival itself and so i, I think that it's an interesting kind of commentary on who makes movies what they want to what narrative they want to portray, For especially sure. documentaries, yeah, right? Absolutely, Demo documentaries are a lot more um, have a lot more intentional messaging, I think, than Definitely. like you know fiction movies or whatever. And so, um, Fire Festival was this big you know scandal slash thing to make fun of because a lot of you know rich millennials get out on this island yeah. and, and everything goes south for this music festival that ever actually happens and you have like the figure of billy mcfarland who becomes this like slimeball bad guy type person yes. scam artist and so it was really really fascinating story to to see from the outside and then to get the documentary perspective where you kind of get kind of the inside um inner workings of what actually happened but the Netflix documentary, I know it, it came under some fire because it's like, well, look, the people who were responsible for the promotional materials related to the festival are kind of putting this out to kind of like deflect blame exactly. off of them. Like, hey, it's not us. So I think that that was that's a really interesting thing to look at in terms of who's making movies and what that the is. purpose is. Oh, that's good. Um, and then the last one, real briefly, documentary for me is it's another one that I didn't finish. 
uh, need to finish. Um, it's called The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. Okay. I, um, uh, I've been told I need to watch this and I haven't seen it. That's another one that came out last year. It's a Netflix one um, about Sam Cooke, soul singer. Um, the title itself refers to, so Sam Cooke was murdered, and he, um, that was a, he was one of the most famous singers of the time. And so, obviously, that was a big deal, him being mur- uh, murdered. That was a big news story. But then also, um, the second murder is a metaphorical one in terms of his um, involvement in the civil rights movement oh. and a lot of his activism. Right. Since his death, like, a lot of that has been kind of glossed over. For and sure. And he was really um, involved in that movement. And so, um, a lot of scholars, a lot of music scholars, a lot of history scholars, um, talk in that movie and it's it's really good really informative you should check it out the only other two i had on my list uh both music documentaries 50 feet from stardom okay which is uh it's about backup singers essentially and and a lot of them are um a lot of them are black women who you know sang on rolling stones albums and uh you know really provided some of the soul for like the 70s rock uh and just were never credited with any of this stuff uh some of them you know major major songs major hits uh, and their just their just name isn't on it at all. Uh, that was really interesting. And then one called the Wrecking Crew, and it's about this group of studio musicians in like the sixties and seventies. And essentially, I mean, saying they they played on every famous album is probably a little bit too much, but it's pretty it's pretty damn close. I mean, these essentially like a a band would come in, write music, and then this band would play the song on the album because they were so much better than anybody else. There's a part where you know the Beach Boys are saying. Uh, the the other guys in the band couldn't play these songs on tour because they they can't do that right, right. like they they can't play as well as this wrecking crew it's just this this group of studio musicians so those are two uh music documentaries that that I really enjoyed of the past decade let's get into sports movies yeah so i don't have many on this list i i have two i really think this is uh like a two movie list and okay. and they're both in my top 10 okay so uh, beyond that, I have a couple others that okay. may be worth mentioning, but I'll, I'll let you kind of take the lead. On well, this. I didn't, it wasn't a great movie, decade for sports. I movies. agree, and that's something that I realized when I was uh, yeah researching. I was like this. looking for yeah. Something, I was like, it's just there's just not much. So one of there's one sports movie on my top ten. Um, the one we probably have that in common. Okay, um, I'm guessing. So we'll, we'll we'll see. All right, and if okay. if this is on your list, you let me know. The first one that I have on here is Moneyball. That that's on my top ten. That's on your top ten. Yeah. Okay, it's not on my top ten, okay. but it's a great movie. Yeah. Twenty eleven, uh, directed by Bennett Miller, about um, Billy Bean and yeah. the in the Oakland A's. I, that book came out. It's based on a book, and the book came out when I was in high school. And I remember my friend Sean. Shout out to Sean. Sean Goody, big White Sox fan. Uh, but he he got the book, and he was just like obsessed with the book. And I remember him telling me about it, and I was like, "Well, what's the book about?" And he's like. The most important thing in baseball, the most important stat, is on base percentage. And I was <laughs> like, like whatever. I was like, okay, sure. It's you know, he's like math. I was like, what about you know batting average? Like, no, 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 on base percentage. Right. Um. I I I think the movie itself is kind of a flex for Billy Bean. You get Brad Pitt to pay, play you in the yes. movie, right? And it's and really it's, it's just Brad Pitt's charisma. Yeah. Carrying carrying much of the movie. Uh, Jonah Hill is it's kind of his first yeah. serious role. Um, and he does a really good job in it. But yeah, you know, I, I love baseball movies. I think baseball uh, as a sport, maybe other than boxing, fits movies. Sure, you know the the best. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's good. You know, Chris Pratt, a young Chris Pratt, is in it. There, there's a lot of good acting, but really, it's it's Brad Pitt. You know, being cool, being good looking. Uh, you know, 
owning the screen. There's one more thing. Very movie star, Brad. For sure. And we can. Do you want to save it? Do you want to save further commentary? No, 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 that's not. Okay. So when we, so a thing that I really liked about the movie, um, an aspect of it that I like is as someone, I'm not as big of a baseball fan as I used to be. When I was in high school, I was a huge baseball fan. It's kind of tailed off a little bit. I'm trying to get back more into it. Um, But I like the idea of a franchise figuring out a system that works for them so they can compete with some of the franchises that have more money, right? So the point of of the A's, of Billy Bean reshaping the A's to um, try to compete is like, well, we're not the Yankees, we're not the Red Sox, we don't have a $600 million payroll, so we can't pay for... Um, you know, and Alex Rodriguez to come here, and and you can't keep the the homegrown talent exactly. that you do have because the Yankees come and buy them. For right. You. So we have to instead of paying Alex Rodriguez, we have to pay for his production. Yes. With multiple guys yes. who will kind of make that up, and I think that that was a he was kind of revolutionary in that way. For sure. And the the one of the main scenes in the beginning where he's talking to his scouts yeah. about you know going around the table and they have like the numbers up of each guy and everything like that. And it's like, well, this guy, you know, he flamed out two years ago. Yeah. He's, like, he's past his prime. He's <laughs> right. like, no, like, we need to get him. We need his production. So I, just the inner workings of an organization like that and trying to find an advantage uh, or, or a market inefficiency yeah. or some some kind of, you know, some kind of end that other people don't know about. That was really, really cool to me. And it really does change the the way that, I mean, not this movie itself, but it shows the way that baseball has changed. There was a major change in, in the way people thought about baseball, the way uh, teams put their teams together, and, and really the way even fans think about baseball. I mean, it's much more analytical now. You're, you're talking much more about numbers. There are stats that never existed when we were growing up right um and and so to kind of chronicle all that i thought was uh was cool so yeah i, I really like that movie little little curveball here for you my other sports movie uh uncut gems okay i haven't seen this just saw it the other day um just i the sports aspect of it uh it's a major aspect of it and it, it's it's more sports betting sports yes. betting makes up a huge part of the of the movie but it takes place in 2012 and KG famously, you know, is in the movie. He d- does a pretty good job. Very um, is he playing himself? He is. Okay, so he's playing himself um, in spring of 2012. So there's a lot of archival footage of oh, like cool. the Eastern Conference playoffs when he's on the Celtics. There's um, one of the major. This isn't a spoiler, but one of the there's um, a bet. There's multiple bets that are placed that are placed by Adam Sandler's character. And so um, there's a lot of, like, parlays, and it's like, does he get the opening tip? How many points and rebounds does he have? Jeez. That's, like, all throughout the movie. And so there's, like, a, a significant amount of footage of him, like, actually playing in those games. Um, That's pretty cool. It's, it's very cool. Very cool to see and, and to think about, um, you know, what was I doing when, you know, how was I watching that? That, right. that was right after – not right after – it was a couple years after I graduated from college. And um, – before I had a child, and you know, I was very. What what what's the game tonight? What playoff game? Where are we gonna go? Where are we gonna watch it? Like that type of thing. So it was really cool to kind of put myself back in that in that mind frame. Yeah, the only other sports movies I, I want to mention: Forty Two. Uh, sure. Not great, but, yeah. but good. Um, Chadwick Boseman is is really good in it. We did a uh, I do a sports movie podcast with 
uh, Murph and Andy, and we did an episode on that. And yeah, it's it's Disney fied for it sure. Is. It really is. Um, but I, I, I did I, I do like that movie. Win Win is a uh, a wrestling movie. Okay, uh, not like pro wrestling, but you know like real wrestling. Um, Paul Giamatti. It's it's not a real well known movie. It's a it's a good movie. And then part of it is uh, that's the movie I saw on my first date with my wife. Okay. So there's like some nostalgia there as well. We went we went and saw that in the theater. Okay. Um, and then lastly, a movie I, I just finally got around to seeing but loved was Creed Two. Okay, uh, I haven't seen I, that one. I yet. think I think it's Creed Two is a top ten sports movie of the decade. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No doubt. Maybe top five. Okay. I mean, it's it's really really well done. It's it's very good. I I really enjoyed it. Okay. I'm gonna have to. I've. I remember I was on a plane this summer, um, and someone next to me was watching Creed two, and I had to like avert my eyes. Yeah, I don't want to like. And I don't I know why it took it me so long, so long to watch it. I, I love the Rocky movies, and I love Creed. Um, and it was just, I mean, maybe two months ago. It's on Hulu, I think. Okay. And I was just, you know, doing something one day and turned it on and just fell into it and loved it. Perfect. I, I that's high on my to do list is yes. watching Creed two. Okay, comedies, romantic comedies. We'll get into this briefly, and then we'll get into our top ten. This is this is a tough one because there's not many of these made my top ten list, but there's a lot of really good ones. I think. What's the what was the first one you want to talk about? Um, well, okay, I'll I'll just maybe the most recent one. Dolomite is my name. Oh man, I have to get that. I gotta watch that one. It's Netflix movie Eddie Murphy. He's he's he's. It bad. might be my favorite Eddie Murphy movie. Really? Yeah. And wow. I, I know that's like a ridiculous thing to say, that's and it's, a, it may be re- recency bias. That's a bold that's doing statement. This, but it's uh. You know, one of the things I realized, I was looking through Eddie Murphy's IMDb, and it was like, it felt like he quit making movies for a long time. Yeah. We didn't quit making movies, he quit making good movies. And That's facts. And so, to see him kind of, uh, to see the old Eddie Murphy almost back on screen was so much fun. I didn't know what to expect from the movie, and I definitely didn't expect the, uh, kind of the, the way I felt I felt fully invested in this guy, and I, d- I didn't know anything about the character he's playing, who's a real-life guy. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about the, the story or anything. Um, so I went into it completely blind as far as that goes, and by the end of this movie, I am so uh, invested in this guy's feelings and in his success and in his life, and I just I fell in love with this character, and I fell in love with it because it's Eddie Murphy. It's interesting to think about um, Eddie. He just did um, Eddie, like I know him. Eddie Murphy. <laughs> right. He just did SNL yeah. the other week, and he's such a he's like the definition of a star. Yes, and in a way that I honestly like. I was born in '89, right? And so his like star starness was like '80 80 to '84 yeah. or whatever, like That's that. That's the thing. And, like, and, I don't. Re- I don't remember when Beverly Hills Cop came right. out or anything like that. And so it's even. It's 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 crazy that even. For as long as he's been in show business or whatever, he still has that gear that he can get to. Like he still has that talent, that um, the the brass confidence, the um, just the overwhelming funniness. Like he's still got the fastball. You yeah. know, he, he's not eighty four Eddie anymore. He's no. not going to be eighty four Eddie anymore. But he still got the gear that he can get to. I highly recommend yeah. checking out Dolomite is my name. Yeah, I got to check that one out. Um, uh, another big this one is we talked about moments or whatever mm-hmm. uh, this is a big culture moment um bridesmaids yes 2011 okay so this is in my top 10 list is it yes. okay okay and we we can talk about it now okay uh, let's let's save it let's okay, save it okay we'll, we'll save that we'll, we'll, save, we'll it. save that one that that did make my top 10 okay. list though um 21 jump street okay 
I love those movies. Twenty One Jump have Street this on my list. Twenty One Jump Street, hilarious. I remember I saw it. I have a thing for me for comedies is I think that the second time I see a comedy is when it's it's funniest. Okay. And that was definitely the case for Twenty One Jump Street. I remember I, like I laughed the first time I saw it, but the second time I saw it in theaters, I was just like on the floor dying. And I think a part of it, I have this in my notes, it might have been a little bit even ahead of its time. Yeah. So the movie came out in twenty twelve, and it's already commentating on it's like a meta yes. meta commentary on like reboots and remakes absolutely and it's e- like you think about the era we're in now and like that's all it is right yeah, it's right. reboots and we're trying to you know resuscitate these intellectual properties and we're gonna we're gonna do whatever movie again from the 70s or the 80s or the 90s and um 21 jump street was kind of ahead of the curve on that and, and rebooting uh remaking um, in the 80s, yeah. you know, teen sitcom. And like 22 Jump teen, Street, which isn't yeah. as good, but it, it plays on a lot of that same yeah. stuff. Like the, the police station's just on the other side of the street. Right. 22 Jump Street. Um, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, the directors, kind of, um, I, it's, this is a movie that got them to another level, I think. They got um, the Lego movie. Yeah. They did the Lego movie. They I love did, that movie. Um, they were doing the Han Solo movie before they were you know, removed <laughs> from that. Produced into the Spider Verse, so um, really talented filmmakers. Twenty One Jump Street is on here as well. Um, I have Booksmart on here. Another really wanted to see it. I haven't. Pre, another pretty recent movie. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just good. It's a fun movie. Yeah. It's, you know you don't like to say the same thing everybody else has said, but it really is. A, it's like a new version of Superbad. Like it really yeah. does feel like that in a lot of ways, um, and just from a different perspective, which I thought was was really cool. Um, you know Jonah Hill's sister mm-hmm. is uh, is becoming a star very mm-hmm. quickly now. Olivia Wilde uh, made that movie. Yeah, um, it's it's a really good movie. first movie she directed. I think I so. Think. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Um, Twenty eleven, Crazy Stupid Love. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have that here too. Um, maybe the most underrated performance of the decade, in my opinion, from Ryan Gosling. Incredible performance. He's from great. Him. Most underrated performance of his career, in my opinion, for sure. He got like hype for it, but like if you rewatch that movie, he is amazing in that movie. One, maybe one of the most fun scenes of the decade in the reveal. Yeah, which you know, I guess at this point it's you know almost ten years yeah, old. Right. Maybe you could spoil it, but like when they all figure out how they all know each other and uh, that that especially the first time you see that and it all kind of hits you and it hits you the same time it hits the characters. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of putting it together. That that's fantastic. Um, yeah, I love that movie. Great, great movie. Great romantic comedy. Um, Dope, 2015. Dope is good. I don't have that here, but that that's that was really good. Saw that one with my sister. Um, hilarious movie. Um, coming of age. Yeah. Comedy. Um, this friend group in L.A. Um, it's it's hard to describe the plot because a lot of stuff happens, but um, just a great fun energetic high school coming of age movie for sure great movie um this is where i leave you have you seen that which one is that so it's a so jane fonda is like the matriarch of this family her her husband dies yes. and they sit shiva for seven yes, days and her kids tina fey in it tina fey yeah. adam driver um who uh, timothy oliphant is in it there's a few other people in yeah. it um but again, yeah just it, uh, just a good movie yeah i just enjoyed that it was a fun movie i have seen that yeah. that's a good one um game night yeah game night almost made my top 10 really yes really really sneaky funny movie wow really really funny um the guy 
so it's game night is about a group of friends who um, have a game night. Like it says, you know, uh, a group of couples and they do like a murder mystery game night. And it turns out to actually be someone actually dies and they have to solve the mystery. Um, what they thought was a game is actually real. Um, hijinks ensue. Really funny. <laughs> the guy, I looked up his name, Billy Magnuson. Is that the neighbor? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. That's, um, are you talking about the cop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's okay. um, Jesse Plemons. Yeah, right, right, right. Got a lot of credit for that movie, and he's very good as the weird, yes, crazy police neighbor. Billy Magnuson is the single guy. Yes. And he yes. gives one of the best dumb guy performances. I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything else. I don't know. Say that. I don't know what it, I had to look his name up, but he I remember after I saw the movie I was like this dude plays the dumb friend extremely well. Extremely well. He does. He's hilarious. Um also Rachel McAdams getting more comedies. Yeah. We know her from Wedding Crashers, you know. Yep. She's she's had an interesting career. Um She's just incredible in that movie. Really uh, funny. Jason Bateman. Jason yeah, so Bateman, he yeah. he's in that. This is where I leave you. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, Pitch Perfect. That is on my. That's on my top ten is list. It? Okay. It is. Yes. Okay. We'll save that. Yeah. Then. Yeah. Because that that that's that's honestly that probably should have been in one, in one of my just missed. Yeah. Because that's I love that movie. Okay. So do you want to get into? Um, do you have any before we get into the actual list? Do you have any more that you want to talk about that just? Kind of just missed out. Yeah. So, and, and you know, I, I feel like some of these may be on on each of our lists. Okay. So, if if so, um, just let me know. We will move on. Okay. Into the Spider Verse. Yes, that's on my list. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Mad Max. Fury on my Road. list. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Harry Potter, the the final edition of Harry Potter, the last movie, like yeah, the eighth movie. Okay. The eighth movie on its own, probably not worthy of mm-hmm. of, but it it wraps up a series that I love. Sure. Uh, and again, rewatchability, like this is a movie I've seen twenty times. I will see a hundred more times in my life. So I just wanted to give that a, a shout out. Spotlight. Okay. Yeah. Great um, movie. I love that movie. Argo. Okay, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I really like that movie. Two best picture movies back yeah, to back there. And so, so Argo is one. I, I wish I could do this with more movies. And I, I say that, but I don't because I watch trailers and I watch clips before I go to these movies. But Argo was this movie. I had no idea what it was going yeah. into it. Zero idea. Not only that, I don't. I didn't know anything about the actual story it was talking. Not not necessarily the Argo movie and, and all that, but like the, the hostage crisis in Iran. I didn't know anything about that really. So... I knew nothing about this movie, and it just kind of, I, I was able to sit in the theater and just kind of let it wash over me, and I, that, that's a fantastic way to, to watch a movie. Um, a Star is Born. I haven't seen that. I love, 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 love Bradley Cooper's performance in this movie. I feel like I'm the only person who hasn't seen it that, because that's a pretty big hit. It is so damn good. It's such a travesty that he didn't win an Oscar for this. I mean, truly, it's ridiculous he didn't win an Oscar for this. It's a depressing movie. Um, and I think it needs to be probably, but I'll, I'll say I own this movie and several times I've only watched it all the way through once. I've watched it several times where I stop about an hour into it okay? because I, I just stop before it gets depressing Sure, because that first hour of this movie is like, it, it's just, it's so good. He and Lady Gaga are just fantastic in it. Um, Django Unchained. That was one that was on my original top 10. Yep. Didn't make it here, but a great movie. I, I could absolutely put that in my top 10. I love, again, 
maybe the first hour of that movie is is one of my favorite things Tarantino's ever done. Uh, once they get to the plantation, it slows down quite a bit. It's it's less interesting to me. But at, at the beginning, when they're bounty hunting and uh, you know they're going into towns and just killing people, and um, that that's so much fun. Christoph Waltz is fantastic in these movies. An interesting thing about that movie for me is that I remember the first time I saw the trailer. First time I saw the trailer for that movie, I was in London, and. I was, um, I was staying in a hostel, and I went to the like computer lab, for lack of a better of a better word. And I heard that the trailer came out, and I watched the trailer, and it was such a um, a visceral experience mm-hmm. watching it. And then, like with the knowledge also that I'm not in America, but watching this movie about American slavery, it was just a really interesting... Oh, that is. A really interesting dynamic. Incredible movie, though. Incredible Um, movie. The only other two I have, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a new movie just watched like a couple weeks ago, so maybe some recency bias there, but I love that movie. I I, I really, really... Brad Pitt again. Yeah. Uh, You'll find that I like like actors. I like charismatic actors. Um, Bradley Cooper will come up again in my top ten list. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that movie. And then the, the last one, Black Klansman, didn't make my top ten, could have made my top ten. One I thought about, yeah. Uh, John David Washington, I, I I can't wait to see what his career does. Uh, Adam Driver, I think, is really good in this movie. Um, you know, Even Topher Grace as David Duke was, was very good. Of course, Spike got a, got an Oscar for this. So have you, do you watch Ballers, which John David Washington is on? So I watched like the first two seasons. Okay. I kind of fell out of it. I've never seen it before. Okay. My sister watches it. I've never seen it. Um, I knew he was on that show, but I'd never watched it. I didn't know he was Denzel's son yeah. until long after I saw that show. So I knew that he was going in, I saw Black Klansman going into it. I knew that it was Denzel's son. I'd never seen him act before. And... The first few words out of his mouth, I'm just like, he sounds exactly like yeah. Denzel. And you almost even, can't get past And even in, even in that movie, he's like doing a little affect with his voice and yeah. trying to sound like the guy um, that it's based off of. Um, but it's still like he sounds exactly like him. And then I watched him in Ballers, and he's speaking like normally. I'm just like, I can't, I can't, I can't get past it. <laughs> it's uncanny how much he sounds like it is. Denzel. It really is. Because he doesn't look a lot he like He doesn't. Him. He looks like his mother. Yeah. But he sounds exactly like he does. His dad's crazy. Yeah, so that, those are the uh, those are the the ones I wanted to mention before we get to our top ten. So I have four, right? And I'll just I'll just list them. Yeah. Um, Silver Linings Playbook. Okay, that's on my top ten. Is it? Okay. Um, Atomic Blonde. I haven't seen that. Really good. Um, directed by one of the guys who directed Deadpool, I believe. Um, Charlize Theron, great in the movie. Um, Sorry to bother you. Oh, I have not seen this. Although it's been on like my list for a while. So the ending of that, the ending of "Sorry to Bother You," I get why they did it. It's just he kind of, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it for people. He kind of he leans into it's like a surrealist movie, right? And so it's about um, this guy played by um, what's his name Darius from Atlanta, and he's in Get Out. Yeah. And, um, um, God, it's escaping me. And he was just in Knives Out. Did you see that? I did see that. Great movie. Um, I know his name. Lakeith. Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah. Um, he's really good. He's great. Great in the movie. Tessa Thompson in the movie Freaky as well. Get Out. Yeah. Directed by Boots, uh, Boots Riley. Um, he, Lakeith Stanfield plays this telemarketer, basically, and he puts on, like, he's a black telemarketer. He puts on a white voice. Yes. And he starts, like, his sales go off the charts, and he keeps, like, moving into a higher level of 
um, wealth, basically, and its success in the business. And it's a movie about capitalism and about race and about um, the impact that capitalism has on uh, minorities, basically. It's a satire. Um, it's surrealist. And the end of the movie, like, really leans into the surrealist aspect of it. And I wish that this is just me personally, because like, I, I get the choice he made, but I would have liked it better if it hadn't leaned quite as heavy into it at the end. Gotcha. But still a great movie. Um, and then John Wick. Okay. First John Wick movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in terms of, like, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it was, right. but it was great. Absolutely. Okay. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Um, number 10 on my list is Skyfall. Okay. I don't have that on my list. Okay. Skyfall. I did like that movie. Yeah. Yeah. James Bond. I think I think Daniel Craig's probably the best James Bond. I agree. And I'm young, you know, so right, I don't Right, exactly. The, I, did, I don't and I and I didn't grow up watching these movies, so yeah. I don't have a lot of context for that. Um but it definitely brought it back from a kind of a kitschy thing for sure. as it was under Pierce Brosnan to like a, a much more serious action movie. Um Javier Bardem as Silva in the movie, an all-time Bond villain. I think that even the the old head James Bond fans would, would agree with that. I'm shocked he was. I don't even know if he was even nominated for an Oscar for that yeah, role. I don't know either. But he's incredible. Incredible. The speech he gives, he doesn't show up until like 40 minutes into the movie. Right. But he gives a speech, like this long monologue, and when he meets James Bond for the first time, and he's an ex- you know, um, and my six agent and his relationship with Judy Dench's M character is explored. And um, the movie itself says a lot about um, spying, espionage and, and working for Britain and um, what that does to a person. And there's the commentary on Bond being old and that type of stuff. Um, the way the movie is shot, beautiful, beautiful landscapes. Um, cinematography is amazing. The Shanghai portion of the movie is yes, incredible. That is. Um just just great movie. Movie I've seen a lot. Uh my number ten is the the superhero movie we alluded to, Black Panther. Okay. So is this on your list? That's number eight on my list. Okay. So we can get we can talk about it now yeah. if you want. Um so I, this is my favorite superhero movie of all time. Okay. Um I think uh, we we talked a little bit about the, the culture aspect of it. I mean, this this hit the culture in a it way was. that almost nothing else in it's certainly nothing else in in the superhero genre has. Um, but it, it, it again, it's a story I didn't know anything about. I didn't know the the history of this at all or anything. Um, but the cast in it is just ridiculous. I mean, it's ridiculous. I think Michael B. Jordan is, if not the greatest. If not, I mean, certainly one of the greatest superhero villains of all time. And again, uh, much like I said with Fassbender in X Men: First Class, it really uh, kind of full. It's it's a full character. He gets evil and he does some evil shit. Sure, uh, he does some things that are unforgivable. But for the most part, in this movie, you understand where he's coming from. You can see his perspective, and he's such a badass. Like the way he walks into Wakanda, it's it's just he's he is. I love him in this movie. Um, Chadwick Boseman is is a great opposite of him. Uh, the women in this movie are fantastic and they're powerful and uh, just I, I I really really like this movie. The first time I saw the movie, I was so shook because it wasn't what I was expecting. And did you have any like? I guess you had expectations going. I in. did. Did you know the story? I mean. I didn't know this story because, like, I knew who Black Panther was. Right. I wasn't super well-versed in Black Panther, but I knew who the character was. And so I'm anticipating something going into the movie. I'm not sure what I'm, I'm – I'm anticipating, you know, 
his story about uh, I'm, I'm I'm anticipating T'Challa's story. Yeah. Right. I'm anticipating knowing what I knew about uh, the character was introduced in Captain America Civil War. Yeah. And his father is killed in that movie. And a, a large part of that movie is about him trying to avenge his father or whatever. And I, I'm going to put a pin in that because I'm going to come back to that. Um, but I'm anticipating we're going to start in Wakanda and we're going to, you know, he's going to be dealing with the loss of his father and this and that. And we get into that. But the movie starts off with after the, you know, the um, the prologue um, CGI portion, 1992, Oakland, California. Yeah. Right. That's how the movie opens. And I'm like, OK, this is not <laughs> going to be what I think it is. Right. Um, so after I, it took I saw the movie in theaters four times. And the thing that out of everything that we've just discussed in terms of the, the cultural moment that it was and seeing black superheroes on films um, directed by Ryan Coogler. Yes. Who is just like he's like two years older than me. And he's just like. I don't even. That's wild. He's an incredible from Oakland, um, incredible like filmmaker, um, incredible role model. I think for young minority filmmakers. Um, yeah, no doubt. But and really, his career has been this decade. Yeah, I mean, right. I, I don't know what he did before. Uh, he did Fruit Val Station. And that was this decade. Yeah, and he did Creed. Yeah. Um, he didn't do Creed two. Okay. Um, he he produced Creed two, but another guy directed it. But. Um, out of everything, the thing that stuck out to me the most about Black Panther is the story of a son who's let down by his father. Mm. Two sons that are let down, quote unquote, in various ways by their fathers. And the scene with. Um, so a, a scene that gets a lot of play is Killmonger on the ancestral plane. Yes. And so. Um, T'Challa's at the first ancestral plane. He speaks with his father, the former Black Panther, and then Killmonger does Michael B. Jordan's character, and he speaks with Sterling K. Brown, his father. And that scene is so the the subcontext of that scene. Not even it's like context. It's on the screen. It's yeah. on the page. Is 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 so rich, and you know, comparing his you know all his frame of reference is his Oakland apartment. Right. Compared to T'Challa's, you know, Wakanda experience. Yes. And it's so expansive and he's out on the plane and everything like that. Um, that scene is so incredible. And so it's, you know, him as a perspective of a child and everything like that. But the second ancestral plane scene with T'Challa and it's his father. Right. And so T'Challa is talking to his father, T'Chaka, who's who's been killed or everything like that. And he's his father's like, come home. Right. It's time you it's time for you to cross over. You can come home. And T'Challa's like, no, like I have to clean up your mess. Yeah. Right. Like that's such an interesting. That is storytelling choice. And it's something that's not really talked about a lot. But that's really what stood out to me in that movie is that he has to clean up his father's mess right his sure. father's mess resulted in killmonger absolutely right his father's bad decisions um not only killing his brother but also leaving this child behind in oakland who has to grow up um full of anger and resentment and hatred and now it manifests itself into this adult man who is the villain quote-unquote of the story like t'challa has to clean up his dad's mess his, his dad's mess and he doesn't his father isn't forgiven for that. It's not like, oh, it's all good. And his father, his father doesn't tell T'Challa, hey, I'm sorry for this. He's just like, no, come on, it's time. And he's like, no, like I have to stay behind and, and clean this shit up. And I have to take Wakanda to um, a different, better place because 
y'all have basically turned your back on the rest of the world. Like it's about a son having to clean up his father's mistakes. And I think that that was a really, it was just told in a really interesting way. And it really, really resonated with me. Nice. Um, Number nine, number nine on my list is pitch perfect. Okay. Um, Just a, a real breath of fresh air. Yeah. When it came out and it's something I know that, you know, we're, we're both big music guys. And so, um, it's a low key musical. It is. It's um, told from this perspective of this uh, this group of women. This is something I wanted to mention in Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids is about a, a, a large part of, of Bridesmaids is about what happens when the dynamics of a friend group change. Yeah. And uh, you know, a person gets married, and then you know, other people are introduced into the friend group and that type of thing. And so Pitch Perfect is also just about kind of like the formation of a friend group itself, I think. And, yeah. Um, it's done in a really interesting and entertaining way, I think. It's so entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, the music is great. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, number nine for me, this is uh, this is probably like the biggest wild card on my list. Um, but again, it's just, so it's pop star. Never really? Stop, okay. Never stopping. Okay. Um, comedy movie? It's a comedy movie. It's Andy Samberg. Uh, I don't think it was real highly rated. I can't imagine a lot of people have seen it. I've seen it probably 12 times. Okay. I, I, I will watch it over and over and over again. Uh, I found that Andy Samberg's comedy really hits me. Mm-hmm. Uh, like everything he's ever done is like one of my favorite things. I, I just, I love his sense of humor and really the whole Lonely Island group, the, the three guys who do all of that. Um, and they're all in this movie. But yeah, the, one of my favorite things, I, I like parody music, but it has to be good. Yeah. You know, it can't be crap music uh it's one of the things like weird al does a really good job of and i think the lonely island and especially in this movie it's like you can hear these songs played on the radio you can see why like connor for real would be a legitimate star uh in our world um and then he's just such an idiot and all these crazy things happen around him um michael red is in it which is, he he does a really good job okay. he's on snl now yeah. um but yeah a- again not one of the best movies of the decade by any means to me, it's the funniest movie of of this decade. They have a real. I haven't seen that movie. I remember seeing the trailer for it and thinking it was funny. I just never got around to seeing it. It's dumb. I'm sure it's dumb. I'm sure, but it makes me laugh. They have a real ear for music, yeah. and I remember when uh, I saw like one of those TV shows about. Um, there was a TV show that was about SNL in the 2000 to 2010 decade, and they did the the portion on the creation of Dick in a Box and they interviewed Justin Timberlake and he was basically like how talking about how he told Andy Samberg like this is funny but the way for it to really work is if the song is actually good yes and that really is incorporated into Absolutely. their musical comedy yes. and the the it really hit me when they did the three-way song <laughs> so the three-way song is like the third in that trilogy first was yeah. Dick in a Box and then Mother Lover Mother Lover <laughs> And then the th- the last one is the three way song with Gaga. Yeah. And when I heard that song, the song is like a parody of like mid tempo nineties R and B, like Mariah Carey yeah. type song. And that's I, I heard that I was like, okay, like I know what they're they know what they're doing. Yes. Like this is actually exactly. a great melody, yes. a great bass line, exactly. like all that. Like they actually yes. they're good at this. So yeah. Yeah. 
See that movie. Uh, I'm going to. It's another one on my list. I'm, I'm writing it all down. Okay, so number eight for me was Black Panther, which okay. we discussed. Yep. So what was uh, number eight for you? Bridesmaids. Okay, yeah. cool. So, so yeah, this, I mean, really kind of changed the game yeah. in, in a lot of ways. Uh, really put Kristen Wiig you know, off of SNL and on the map. Melissa McCarthy, I mean, she had been in things, but really kind of launched her career. Mm-hmm. Uh, a great cast. And then... I don't know if that's the first movie that, that was like raunchy about women, but it, it definitely like um, it opened that door a little bit, I think. Sure. And that that's one of the things I like most is when you see, you know, women doing things that traditionally have been male things um, in, in a much worse movie, but still funny. There's a movie called Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. I've it's, heard of it. I haven't um, seen it, but. Zac Efron and Adam Devine and Aubrey Plaza and uh, um, from Pitch Perfect, Anna Kendrick. So and essentially, it's it's the opposite roles that you would think. Anna Kendrick and Aubrey, and Aubrey Plaza are like the they're scamming these guys. Right. They're they're like the you know like the slutty bros, right? Like and anyway, so it just kind of flips that concept on its head. And I think Bridesmaids did that in a lot of ways. Here, I, I like what you said about you know the f- the friend group and the changing aspects of the friend group, and especially as you get older and your life changes and how you deal with that, how you stay connected with people that you knew when you were younger, and then how you you know reconnect with people in a, in a different space. Um, and then yeah, it just kind of showed Kristen Wiig's brilliance, which I think has has shown throughout the, the decade also. So she wrote the movie. She co-wrote the movie with another person, and then you talk about Melissa McCarthy, nominated for an Oscar yeah, for the which movie. which is crazy. Um, incredibly hilarious in that movie. I have to shout out as well Maya Rudolph, yeah, and, who's the straight woman in the movie, really. But Maya Rudolph is one of my all-time SNL yes. cast members, just in terms of like cast members who make me laugh the most. Like she's up there. Yeah, great, great movie. All right, number seven. Uh, number seven for me is The Last Jedi. Okay. Uh, 2017, Ryan Johnson. Um, I'm biased. I'm a big Ryan Johnson fan, as you'll see as this list continues. Um, I'm not, I've seen the Star Wars movies. I saw the, the original trilogy movies for the first time all the way through when I was like 22. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, you don't have like the nostalgia of it then. And it's impossible for me to, anyway, yeah. just by virtue of me. I'm only 30 years old. Um, but the first movie, the first trilogy, or the first prequel movie came out in 99. I was 10. I saw the pre- prequel movies or whatever. Um, there's a lot of controversy around the movie or whatever, whatever. Um, to me, it's a classic. And I think that as time goes on, people will talk about it. And people already do, but like more people will talk about it as one of the of the best in the series mm. um in my opinion um every storytelling choice to me in the movie makes sense it's the only like logical thing that could happen so when you see you know Luke Skywalker on this abandoned pl- planet which he was put there by the first movie right the yeah. first movie opens with Luke Skywalker has gone missing the point of the first movie is you know people trying to find Luke Skywalker well, why is he missing? Why is he why is he isolated himself? He's isolated himself because he took a major L, right? Yeah. We're trying to train these Jedi. Yep. And he talks to Ray about how, you know, he says the legacy of the Jedi is failure. And he goes through, you know, the stuff that happened in the prequels where um, this incredibly evil force came up right under the Jedi Jedi's noses and they couldn't figure it out in time. Um He's this man that's been, you know, he's an older man now. He's not the same 
22 year old with a lightsaber running off and saving the day. And I think that a lot of people expected this Luke to do that. Yes. It, it wouldn't make sense for him to do that. And so they were pissed off about it. Yeah. A lot um, of expectations. A lot of expectations. Yeah. It's not a perfect movie, um, but it's a movie that thematically, I think, really resonated with me. It made a lot of sense. Um, it was shot beautifully. Um, the performances are great. And I just, I really love the movie. Uh, number seven for me is Whiplash. Okay. Um, I, I wouldn't have said the end of this movie makes it for me. Okay. You know, it's like you, it's one of those movies and, and the second time, third time watching it, you know how it ends. It's, it's kind of different, but the first time, you know, I had, I, I won't say I had teachers or, or coaches that were anything quite like JK Simmons. Right. I hope not. No. Jeez. But I mean, you, you get some of that tough love stuff, right. And, and how that, how that affects different people differently. Um, but the, the final scene of this movie where he's, where he, he does it right. He right. drums and he, right. he kind of wins him over mm-hmm. and he, he, he had been put in this terrible position. He had really been, I mean, like J.K. Simmons was just trying to screw him over and he overcomes and he kind of wows everybody and it just ends with, it just ends. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I love that. I like drumming. I'm not a drummer. I think you are. I am a drummer, um, yes. But I like to watch drumming. Yeah. Um, I'm fascinated by it. And so, yeah, I, I, I really loved Whiplash. I love the fact that it put, I mean, it, the movie was about more than drumming. And, yeah. and J.K. Simmons won the Oscar for his role. And um, the director is also the guy who did La La Land. Damien right. yes. Chazelle, I think. Um, really young guy as well. Um, that movie, it's, I'm, I love musical movies. I remember the first time I saw the trailer and I heard what it was about and I saw the clip and he slaps him, he's drumming, he slaps him, and I was just like, ooh, I can't, mm -mm. (laughs) nope. Too close. Nope, it wouldn't happen with me. Um, Great pick, though. Yeah. Great, great pick. Uh, Number six on your list. Creed. Creed, okay. Creed is number six on my list. Okay. Um, Is this on your list? It is. Creed is number one on my list. Is it? Yes. Okay, let's save it then. We'll save it. Let's save it it for then. Um, What's number six for you? Number six for me is Looper. Okay. So back-to-back Ryan Johnson movies. Yeah. Looper about. Um, I saw this once, like right when it came out, yeah. and so I, I vaguely remember it, but I don't remember it all that well. Um, I liked it. A time travel slash crime slash action slash romance movie, I guess. Um, premise of the movie is these mobsters, uh, these hitmen, basically um, use time travel in order to close the loop on themselves so they carry out all these hits and then the last hit that you have to do is yourself basically right um and bruce willis plays the older version of joseph gordon levitt who i love yeah um emily blunt is great in the movie as the mother of this child who um in the future grows up to be um so the movie takes place in the future and people have started becoming there's a a subset of people who can use telekinesis and this child is going to be like the most powerful of them all and he becomes like this crazy like um mob boss basically and um the story is just really interesting and really um engaging um the acting performances are great and it's just it's such an original type of movie and it it, it draws on a lot of other science fiction movies obviously there's like some Blade Runner elements there's some um, various other sci-fi elements but it's just really really I talked about Breath of Fresh Air with Pitch Perfect I felt the same way with Looper so I like that Uh, number five on my list is Inception okay Um, you know it's uh, it's Leonardo DiCaprio Tom Hardy 
uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, mm-hmm. and they they go into people's dreams and then go further into people's dreams and kind of uh, the whole thing is can you incept an idea, right? Can you create an idea in somebody's head that, that they themselves think they thought of? Um, I, I, I love the the kind of physical nature of the movie, the way that they play with realism. Um, I, I think all the acting is, is really well done. It's, it's kind of a mind-bending uh, thing, a topic or you know, premise, I guess. Um, and then I love that, that I don't like this in many movies. I like it in this movie that you're not sure. The ambiguous ending. Yeah, the ambiguous ending. Yeah. I don't like that for the most part. And part of it is I think I know how this movie ends. I, I think I know where, where it is. Mm-hmm. So like maybe that helps because I think I'm smarter than right. everybody else. But um, yeah, I loved Inception. What do you I, think? Do you think that it's... I think he's still in a dream. You think yeah, so? I do. Okay. I think that that thing is still spinning. Okay. Um, and I think he, I think his his wife was right when she kills herself to get out of that dream, mm-hmm. and he thinks she just killed herself, and he's kind of still living in that world. Um, I, I, I think that he is still under. I love the set pieces. Yes. Uh, the big, the big one, obviously, being the rotating room when mm-hmm. they're in the hotel in the dream, and Joseph Gordon Levitt is fighting the guys, and they're running up on the walls and stuff like that. And I read about how. That was real. Like they just built a big set that like oh, they wow. rotated basically. So it's not like CGI. They just built this giant. It's like in a train car. Yeah, and it was built on like suspension wires, and they like crazy turned it like. Incredible. And it all seems like logical, even though it's this fantastical thing, right? Uh, it all like it, it all kind of makes sense. Like the way they they built it out enough that I can I can follow it logically, mm-hmm. even though it's this illogical thing that I really like. Uh, number five, number five on my list is a movie called Snowpiercer. Okay, this this would have been on my, on my wife's list. Yeah, she loves post apocalyptic things. Yeah, she loves Snowpiercer. Incredible. We saw it. She's seen it a handful of times. I saw it once. I liked it. I loved it. Um, the only quote unquote international movie directed by um, South Korean um, Bong Joon Ho, who also directed a movie called Parasite this year that people are saying is like incredible. He he did like Old Boy. He's done a bunch of movies. Probably like the most famous Korean director. Um, about you know post-apocalyptic like you said the world is in the ice age basically and all of humanity is trapped on this train that's speeding around the planet and um the people in the end of the train and the caboose are like the poor class basically and the people at the head of the train are the rich and each car as you move up gets more and more um affluent and the people in the back led by chris evans um, start a revolution basically, and they want to get to the front so that they can um, leave their shitty lives basically. And it's a movie about you know class warfare. It's a movie about um, survival, and it's just it's in, it's thrilling, thrilling movie. I loved it. I like that. Uh, number four for me is The Martian. Did you do five already? Yeah, that was Inception. That was Inception. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Four is The Martian. We flipped at some point. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Four is The Martian. Okay. Um. I like space movies. I liked Interstellar. Mm-hmm. I liked Arrival. Uh, I think this was the best of of the space movies okay. of this. Also, again, uh, it's kind of a theme, like a charismatic actor just kind of owning the screen. And I think Matt Damon does that in this movie. Um, I think uh, I, I read the book, and that that's very good. Um, he's just so likable and uh, entertaining in this movie. Um, I like a lot of the other, you know, kind of ancillary characters. Kristen Wiig again does a good job in kind of a straight role. Donald Glover has a great role, in, a small role in this movie. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really like The Martian. I like movies that are full of like scientific jargon. Yeah, 
that can be explained to me in a way that I understand. For sure. It. And this movie did that because they have like the people at NASA, like you said, like yeah. Donald Glover's like a mathematician and like Kristen Wiig and everyone is at like Mission Control. And again, even though it's unrealistic, it feels logical yeah. enough. Like it, all the things that, that happen seem to make sense. Yeah. Um, you know, if we were further along in our space program, maybe. Uh, so, yeah. Great movie. Yeah. I really enjoyed that movie. I saw it with two of my friends. One of my friends who I saw it with, um, uh, my friend Colin, he had read the book. And did he like the movie? He did. Yeah, okay. he liked the movie. I think he liked the book too. But I, I think that they're pretty different. Maybe. I watched the movie and then read the book, and I enjoyed both a lot. Uh, my brother read the book and then watched the movie and didn't like the movie that okay. much. The book, just like anything, the book is going to be more detailed. Right. It's got a lot more going on, and then you see the movie, and it's like, oh, skip this whole part. Right. Um, so if you're going to do both, I would suggest watch the movie and then read the book. Okay. Number four for me is Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Um. 2014, yeah. directed by Doug Lyman. Great, great movie. We talk about stars. Like This is definitely a star yes, one for, for Tom Cruise. Cool to see, and I think that they are making a sequel out of this, but it was cool at the time for him to kind of step out of the Mission Impossible. Um, he did the other one, um, um, that space movie. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the name. I know what you're talking about. But he... Um, with the director, the, the guy who directed that is actually also directed him in the Top Gun reboot. Yes. Um, who actually, I think, is from Iowa or like went to the University of Iowa or I something I think that's like that. right. Um, but Edge of Tomorrow, great. Uh, reminded me of, uh, you're into video games. Yeah. Um, the Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. For so sure. Majora's Mask is you have to go back in time three days to prevent the end of the world, right? You have to prevent the moon from falling. And... Um, it's the same edge of tomorrow is a guy who has to keep going back in time a day to like prevent um, aliens from taking over the planet. Basically um, action packed Emily Blunt again. She's great. Incredible in it as she's the real like action hero of the yes. movie. Like Tom Cruise starts off as this guy who is um, a military officer who doesn't have any combat training and he keeps repeating these days over and over again due to him being thrown into combat against his will and he ends up absorbing the power of an alien who dies on him. He, it, The aliens have the ability to reset the day, and so he absorbs that. It had happened to Emily Blunt before, and so she kind of guides him through it every day, and he develops these feelings for her um, over the course of months or a year or however long he keeps repeating. And it's interesting, that dynamic of he has this relationship with her, yes. but every day she's... Meeting him for the first it's time. It's kind of again. like 50 first dates. Yeah, right. The movie. I, yeah, I, yeah, and yeah. I like that concept. Yeah, of like you have to convince somebody of something every day. Yeah. And like, and then take it further, right? So tomorrow I'm going to have to convince you of all the things we did today. Right. And like the progress we made today. But when I meet you tomorrow, you're brand new and you don't, you don't know me. So is that, is that relationship and then also them having to navigate how to beat the aliens yes. every day as well. So incredible. That's a really incredible. good movie. It got hurt by the title, I think. Yeah. Not an awesome. Yeah, it's not. Uh, and, like, even now, like, if you get, like, the DVD, it says, like, live, die, repeat. Yeah. And then in small, it's like Edge of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so we are at, what, number three? Number three. Number three for me is The King's Speech. Okay. Um, best Picture winner. Yeah, that is. Uh, yes. That's the best okay, picture so there's, winner. There's my Best Picture winner. Um, I just, I love the relationship between, so it's it's The King. It's it's historical. It's, a, it's you know, it really happened. I don't know how much liberty they take. I know that they had to wait. Um for someone to die before they were allowed to make this movie. Okay. Um, somebody in the royal family. It, obviously not the queen, but you know, because the queen would be the daughter of, of the main character. Okay. Um, 
but maybe it was his his mother or something like that. Maybe it was his wife. I think actually that's what it was. Okay. Um, who was played by? Um, oh, now I'm not going to think of her name. Uh, a fantastic British actress. She's Bellatrix Lestrange. Oh, Helena Bonham. Yeah, Carter. Helena Bonham Carter. She's really good. But yeah, the essentially it's the king and this guy Lionel Logue, this speech therapist, and the king is thrown into into the throne. Un- unwillingly he doesn't want to be king he was never going to be king he was never groomed to be king and uh and he finds himself as king as his brother has to abdicate uh because he's in love with this american woman and having this affair and he and then he, then all of a sudden he's thrown into world war Two. and so you know that's kind of the culmination of the whole thing is this famous speech that the king gives on the eve of of world war Two in in great britain um but the relationship between these two men is really what carries this movie and kind of the, the softening of this king uh, throughout the movie. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love this movie. I've never seen the movie. I remember when it came out, my mom saw the movie, and my mom liked it because uh, my mom was a school teacher uh, yep. early in her career. She ended her career as like an educational consultant, but she has a master's in speech pathology. And so she enjoyed the aspect of, of the movie in terms of like, teaching someone who has um like a speech deficit and kind of working with him and improving it yeah. so she really liked the movie very cool what's number three for you number three for me is mad max Fury road okay um saw the movie and I, I i compared it to a play almost because there's not a lot a lot of dialogue and it's like in kind of like three acts and um, I mean, you know, movies in general are usually three acts, but right. it's like, this is a little more distinct. It is. Like, yeah. I could even again, somebody who's not critical, who doesn't think about these things while he's watching a movie, I could pick that up. It's like a, there's, it's like they're separated by like fades to black. Yes, and then it fades in again, yes. and like this is the second act or whatever it is. Like it's incredible. Um, the action set pieces are, you know, there's very little CGI, yeah. and it's just this. If you've read about the making of the movie, there are actual like they're in. I think Kenya making a part of the movie and then part of the Sahara as well. And they had to deal with these, excuse me, crazy intense, you know, conditions and actual sandstorms and things like that. Um, Charlize Theron, again, as um, Furiosa and um, Tom Hardy as as Max and doesn't have a lot of lines, but um, an incredible storytelling type of movie there's a point in the movie where um i remember reading this on twitter this guy was talking about this there's a point in the movie where max and furiosa meet each other and they're enemies at first and they're fighting and they're you know and they eventually come to you know begrudgingly become partners or whatever and trying to get these women um away from from the crazy king and there's a part where there there's people coming to get them basically and max like has a rifle or whatever and he's like trying to shoot at him, and he's he's missing them, and then he sees Furiosa, and Furiosa is basically you know like, without saying it's like you know give me the give me the damn gun, and Max is like yeah all right fine, and he like gives it to her, <laughs> and it's like that's a really like yeah that's not a moment that happens in a lot of action right. movies like that right where Absolutely. he basically is just like okay I know you're, you're the better shot here. yeah here's the gun so and like unspoken yeah um yeah such a good movie fantastic um and and I really enjoyed because I I never saw any of the like. Um, Mel Gibson Mad Max no, movie, I didn't so either. I don't know any. I have no context, and you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this movie stands on its own. Um, yeah, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. What's number three for you? Uh, so number three was King's Speech. Okay, 
we're down to number two for me, and that's Moneyball. Okay. Which we've already talked a lot about, but again, uh, just kind of an important part of baseball. I think baseball makes great movies. I think Brad Pitt kind of owns this movie. Mm-hmm. I like Jonah Hill a lot in this movie. It's just it's a it's a fun movie to it watch. It is, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, number two, number two for me is Into the Spider Verse. Okay. Um, saw the movie and was blown away. Yeah. I remember seeing the trailer and wasn't. I was excited for it, but I was like, okay, animated Spider-Man movie looks good. You know, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, um, really into that. This um, black Latinx character, and I knew it would be a different kind of spin on the Peter Parker version of Spider-Man. I was excited to see that, but I saw it, and it just completely floored me. Visually, it's, Visually, it's incredible. Stunning. It's not like anything I had ever seen before. Which is hard to say about really anything, but especially an animated right. feature in 2019 it's like presented in such these like bright colors and it's also very it's it's digital but it's also you can see the hand-drawn aspect of it it's um comic booky yeah there's like thought bubbles and speech bubbles in it as well it's just it's incredible it's funny yes um yeah it's it's a that's a great movie voice cast is great um miles is played by shameek moore who is also in dope uh, the main character in Dope. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, um, in, incredible movie, and the the hero's journey in that movie of yeah. him becoming Spider Man mm-hmm. and becoming his hero, and um, like having to learn how to do it. Having exactly, it's just something you don't see often in superhero movies. It's the best presented in like maybe any superhero movie I've seen. Certainly any Spider Man movie I've seen, and there have been some great Spider Man movies, but his journey to get to that point, and eventually he jumps off the building. And it's this exhilarating moment where he finally becomes Spider-Man, quote-unquote. And he's running through the city. And there's a part where he's, like, running on the side of a building. And it's just, it's it's incredible. And it's him coming into his own, finally. And it's just, it's an incredible movie. All right, number one. We're at no, number one. Number one for me is Creed. Creed. Yes. Great movie. Uh, my favorite movie of the decade, obviously. To me, the best boxing movie ever. I'm going to say it. Yeah. Best boxing movie ever. Um, that's, and that's a that's a big bar to, it to is. clear. It is. Especially as a as a movie in the Rocky franchise. Yeah, what, the seventh, essentially, yeah. Rocky movie. Incredible. Um, directed again by Ryan Coogler. Um, I, don't, I can't even describe... The, the training montages oh. are just... Incredible, and it makes you it makes you want to work out. It makes you, you want to get out there. Did you but... tweet one of the like did, a, yeah. a few weeks ago? Yeah. You you put out and like it's like a three minute clip. That's and... a, that's something I I listen to that music when I'm working out. The rare times that I work out, it tells uh, you something about a movie. Though. Yeah, like for a movie to have that sort of impact on you. So that that scene is. I remember watching that scene in the theater, and I was just like at the conclusion of that scene, I said out loud, I was like, I, I love this. Like I just I love it. Um, the score is incredible. Um, Ludwig Göransson also scored Black Panther, won an Oscar for Black Panther. Um, incorporating, he incorporates the Rocky theme yes. itself at the end of the movie. Yes, but um, really brass heavy, really like uplifting, really motivating score. It's incredible. Um, another movie about fathers and sons. Yep. I don't know what this is about me, but <laughs> um, he's you know the. I remember hearing that Ryan Coogler was making a movie about the son of Apollo Creed 
and thinking to myself, oh, I don't like. Why would you want to do that? Right. Like, I don't. I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, but the movie it just completely blew me away. I was mad that Sylvester Stallone didn't win the Oscar for yeah. that. He was nominated for sure uh, for He's his great. performance as Rocky. He's it's incredible. probably his best performance other than the original Rocky. Yeah. Um, which I think is the best boxing movie ever. Yeah. Um, and I think Creed is probably second. Yeah. Uh, the and the way it fits in with that story, incredible. It it really is, and I mean it because they they could have very easily kind of shunned all of the Rocky movies and just said you know kind of rebooted the right. whole thing from from Adonis Creed, uh, and they didn't. And his relationship, not just with his girlfriend, but like with Rocky. Yeah. Uh, the way that grows. And and continues in Creed too. You got to see Creed too. I know. I um, Tessa Thompson, incredible in, yeah. in Creed, incredible. I, I, and the boxing scenes are fantastic. I was watching the scenes in the theater and like saying out loud, like you got okay, you need to keep your like keep your left up. He's not. Right. And I, I have to remind myself like this is a movie, dummy. Like this is all choreographed. Well, it's cool it's because like, he he has to learn how to box. Yeah, you know. And I guess that 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 scene you tweeted kind of shows that where it's like he. He had this idea of who he was and and who his dad is and kind of where he should be and then it's it was, you can't just step into this right it's it's going to take a lot of work and you see him put in that work and and the training and and the fight at the end um, it's a great movie the themes of like identity and family and um, choosing your family and 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 making a name for yourself yeah. um, not just making a name for yourself separate of your father but also just like kind of figuring out who you are as a person. Just incredible. Michael B. Jordan's just such a good actor. Yeah, he's too. great. And I mean, like, he's already done a lot of good things, but, like, I'm so excited to see what his career, how it continues. He makes such interesting choices. For sure. Um, you know, he and Ryan Coogler obviously have a, a great relationship. It's the new Scorsese De Niro relationship. Yeah, right. right absolutely. Uh, well, speaking of De Niro, speaking of fathers and sons, uh, it's a movie you mentioned earlier. My number one is Silver Linings Playbook. Okay. All right. Uh, I love this movie. Okay. Uh, I, I like Bradley Cooper a lot. Jennifer Lawrence is really good. Uh, De Niro is good in, in his role. Uh, the father and son aspect of it, the the mental health aspect of it. Um, I, I don't have the kind of mental health issues that he has in the movies, but I've always felt like I've like been on the verge of those sorts of things. Right. Um, and so to see him, uh, and the kind of the way he handles it and the way it affects his life in, in such negative ways is so interesting. The way, um, you know, he deals with relationships. It's so different. Um, part of it is again, the charismatic leading man. He, he is, I really like, uh, I really like him. And I read this book. The movie's better than the book. There's no, really? like, okay. like cl- clearly better than the book. Um, and and then the way it all comes together at the end, the, the final scene where, and it's not even the whole scene, and it's, it's not even like the love aspect of it, which is obviously a big part of it. And and the big scene is you know Jennifer Lawrence kind of you know shouting down De Niro and kind of putting everybody in their place, and that's a really cool moment for her. And I think it's like iconic. But there's there's this part right at the end of the movie um, where. Robert De Niro, I guess Jennifer Lawrence is, uh, um, she kind of, she's, and she's pretty messed up in the movie. She, she's falling back into some old habits and she, she really kind of leaves. And the way that, and then like Bradley Cooper has this realization that he's in love with her. And at the same time, Robert De Niro has this realization and he's never been a very good father to him and they haven't had this great relationship. But there's this moment, it's like 30 seconds long where he pulls his son in and is like, he gives this speech about, you know, you, you don't want to listen to me. I didn't want to listen to my father. He's like, but there are moments in your life, and if you don't reach out, you, it's a sin. He's like, you will never get this back. He's like, that girl loves you. You need to go get her. And 
And then, of course, you know, he runs and he does and all of that. And it's a happy ending. But there's just like that moment of like this father and son thing uh, is is really impactful to me. And then, I, yeah, I, again, rewatchability. I've seen this movie a handful of times. I will watch it many more times. I, I love this movie. It's a great De Niro performance. It is. It's uh, a guy who is, you know, a, a, an older man who loves his adult son. It's a very... Uh, there's a tenderness to his performance, yeah. but still an edge, right? It's still it's still De Niro, where he's still you know, um, trying to impress the importance of a thing on someone in his earlier career. If he's a mobster, if he's whatever it is, like you know, there's that aspect to it. But it's, this is like the urgency of a father trying to help his son, and like you said, they haven't had the best relationship, right. but um, you can see the the care that they have for each other, and the love that they have for each other. Um, I also like like there there are quiet parts of the movie. I kind of like movies that are slow and plotty and and you know all like the running scenes. Uh, it just it doesn't move very quickly. You know things don't go from A to B very fast. It's really kind of a long movie about a, a small thing. Um, but I, I enjoy that. I like movies about families too. Yeah, family dynamics sure. and um, families trying to um, relate to each other and trying to maybe move past yeah, some, exactly. some issues that they've had. Yes. And, you can tell that there's love there, but it's still going to be there's difficult. There's still yep. some challenges. Yeah, um, it is. It's a great movie. Great performance from um, Jennifer Lawrence. Obviously, yeah. she won the Oscar for it. Great Chris Tucker performance. Yeah, Chris he's, Tucker he's, is good. He's briefly in the movie as well. So that's a good pick. I, another one that I've seen a lot, too. Um, almost made the list, but it was great. There it is. Dude. There it is, man. The top ten. We we got into a lot of movies. Great episode. Um we're gonna get back into it. Yeah, let's do this more often. We're gonna get back sure. into it. I know we say that at the everyone end of listening, every like yeah, right. Your sister right now is tweeting at us. She's rolling her eyes yeah. as we speak. We will do it more often. Yeah, uh, a great one. Thanks again to the, to the Tailgate Society, Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce. Remember to um, subscribe to all the TJS podcasts on iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes uh, for tweets, rhymes, and life. We love y'all, man. Good night.